Howdy folks, welcome to Sketchy Conversations with John Melson IV. On today's episode, I'm chatting with singer-songwriter and guitarist Gabby Logan. We're talking about her band The Tulips, her backing-up rapper Diamond of Crime Mob earlier in her career, and some other topics too. Check it. So, how's it looking in Georgia? I'm actually still in the DMV, so I don't know. Oh, happened. shit. Cool. Right. So. Nice. Which part, yeah. if you don't mind me asking? Uh, I'm in Southeast D.C. Oh, nice. Okay, so um, how long have you been playing guitar? Um, Probably, like, uh, every time someone asks me this question, I'll have to, like, calculate. Because I feel over 10 years, you just kind of stop adding, but... Um, probably like 15, around 15 years. Hmm. Okay, cool. I think I'm going to go for like 20 or 24 myself. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I had a choice between flute or guitar and everything. I, I picked a flute thinks it's like an old kung fu movie. <laughs> so I'm like, this is not going to work for me. Yeah. All right, so a few things I know about you. One being that Kurt Cobain is like... Your biggest influence, right? Mm-hmm. All right. So, it's like, what did you pick up from Kurt, if you don't mind me asking? Um, I think the ability to take what you're going through in life and, like, create a song out of it in a way to connect with other people around the world. That's always been something that I thought was amazing about Kirk, and it was always something that um, I just really admired because, you know, it's hard to write. It's, it's, it can be hard to write music. It can be hard to write songs, lyrics to songs. It can be hard to write poems. It can be hard to write contracts. It can be hard to do anything because I think as artistic people, sometimes we're always giving out and putting out into the world in terms of like creating music and entertainment for people that sometimes we forget to fill ourselves up and then we have those moments where we have like writer's block or we just don't feel the urge to like be to dive back into our highest level of creativity. And I think that that's okay sometimes because I think that that's what makes us human and it brings us together a little bit more. And I think that uh, Kurt Cobain did a lot of that through his songwriting style and, and through and expressed it through the way that he played guitar. And um, yeah, I just, I, I really, I have a lot of respect for Kurt Cobain. He's just one of my favorite people, like of all time. Cool. What's your favorite Nirvana deep cut? Hmm? What's your favorite Nirvana deep cut? Um, um, sorry, I was reading a message from my mom. Um, I actually don't know to be honest with you. Fair enough. Actually, it's like actually. Let me. Can we come back to that? Yeah, sure. No problem. That's a good question. No one's ever, no one's ever really asked me that. Most of the time, people ask me about like covering. Nirvana, but it's very rare that someone asks me what's my favorite favorite thing. But anyhow, sorry, go ahead. No, you go. Yeah, because I, I love your version. Smells like Teen Spirit. You know, in fact, my band does a cover about a girl. You know. Oh, I love that song. Yeah. Okay, so coming up and everything. When I think Atlanta, I always think hip hop and R and B. And also, what they were doing like rock out of Atlanta. I think of two bands, Mother's Finest and the Black Crows. Mm-hmm. Very misleading name, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Hello, hello. Very misleading name. I'll put it that way. So, you know, coming up and everything, what was that scene like? You know, did you know how'd you find your niche? Um, 
That's a good question. Um, I would say, honestly, I think from just like floating around alone for so long and then bumping into people. Actually, um, funny story, I don't know, he, I'm sure he's never told it, but so I went to Spelman and my freshman year of college, you know, coming right out of high school, I had a hard time still dealing with you know, understanding my culture, my skin, being in my skin, being a black girl, and still wanting to exist inside of this space that at the time I thought was only really for and by white people. I didn't know about the history, sisters at a Thorpe, I didn't know about all of that yet. And so um, that was part of the reason why I went to Spelman. And the first person that I met at Spelman was a, a sis who I still invest friends with to this day. Sierra. And we bonded and found our niche together off of me wearing combat boots because Spelman has these traditions where like you have to wear a white dress and with your white dress you usually have to wear pantyhose and like slides or not slides but like um like flats or whatever. But I was never really into that. I was always the rebel kid and so on our first day of school I came wearing combat boots and that's how Sierra and I bonded. And so um similarly in terms of connecting with the the other underground community or scene in Atlanta when it came to alternative music, the the first person I met outside of Spelman was actually Vaughn, um, Vaughn Phoenix. He was working for a nonprofit that I would actually end up working for later um, uh, during my matriculation at school. But I started playing his band, and then I started meeting other people, and then started realizing that some of the people that were in the scene and were in some of these bands were people that I had actually grown up with or I had already known from from school or just from another period of life, but I never knew that they were into the type of music that I was into. And I think it's because all of us, and I think a lot of alternative um, black rockers can, can relate with this. I think it's because for a long time we just didn't know how to like where our place was inside of something that we created and like if it always feels like we're constantly having to fight to take something back that was ours but and for that reason it it just creates a difficult time to exist inside of a niche that you think everybody else will perceive as being white and they make fun of you so on and so forth i hope i'm making sense oh complete sense I actually hear the same story but it's like you know it's kind of weird about it it feels like everybody mm-hmm. has a gaslight the same story. No, 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 no. It was everything else. No, the reason right. why it's just right. But nobody wants to admit maybe people were shitty back before before they were twenty five. Right. You right. Know? Yeah. Right. Maybe that. I mean, crazy concept. I mean, it's like every time I see a video, sisters at a tharp rocking the fuck out. I just find right. it kind of yeah. I just think it's funny where people like you know they think their sisters at a tharp, but the reality is they're closer to the people behind sisters that are clapping and side eyeing Right, you know? right, yep. But yeah, but one of the early, one of your early bands is Bye Bye Love, right? Mm-hmm. All right, so tell you want to tell us about that? Yeah, so uh, I had a band. So shortly after, um, I was in Vaughn's band for like a year or so. Got to meet a lot of people and really um, started to to dig more into being comfortable about being a black girl in this alternative space and wanting to play guitar and and seeing rock music and stuff. And so um, by this time, going into my sophomore year, I decided, you know, I think I want to I want to branch out and start my own band because I still, even like being, even though I found my niche um, in terms of finding the other black kids that listen to the same music that I listen to, there was still 
that awkwardness of I'm the only girl most of the time, or I'm the, definitely the only girl that plays guitar or some sort of instrument. Everyone was always a vocalist, and everybody was always, you know, bands of all guys looking for a vocalist. But I wanted to play guitar and sing, and I would always get met with guys that weren't really into that or just flat out wanted me to just sing. Um, and so I decided to start my own thing, and so I started Bye Bye Love. Um, which was uh, ironically a band of three guys and then me on lead guitar and vocals. And it was guys that I knew growing up, Will and Elijah and Zach. Well, Zach I met um, my freshman year of college um, when I found my niche. But yeah, so that was by my love. And it was a lot of fun. It was a, it was my first uh, big dive into the music industry in terms of management um, because it was me and like three guys. And so they're all waiting on me to text them about being so um it was a good experience, though, um, and we made a lot of fun punk music, um, some of which is probably still on the internet somewhere, but a lot of the songs that people hear now on my Queens of the New Age EP with the Tulips fan were songs that I had actually written and released when I had Bye Bye Love, um, and I re-recorded them and remastered them when I started the Tulips. So, um, yeah, so people who've been following me for a long time know, know that little story, that little connecting piece, but, yeah, I always like to share that. Yeah, because I remember I first heard about it because I remember the slow transition, at least, you know, from outside looking in because cause I was like, huh, they changed the names. But it's a totally different band, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it took me a second to realize, like, oh, okay, cool. You know, so what do you say the difference is sound-wise between the two? Um, Maturity. Uh, I think maturity and growth. The the passion and the the guitars in your face, um, the rock and rollness of it, and, and the even the punkness of it, the punk edge that I had in a lot of my writing, all of that's still there. But I think that you can hear the growth in my vocals and the growth in my guitar playing and expression of guitar playing between uh, Bye Bye Love and and um, now, um, which is part of the reason why I wanted to still keep those songs. Um, when I started releasing Tubes music, because I didn't, they were really good songs, and they were some of my personal favorites out of my Rolodex, but I wanted to, I wanted to just experiment with what does it sound like if you take your song, the same way that you have written, have other musicians interpret how they should play each part, like inside of what you've written, and that's how I started to really figure out, like, the, the complexity of musicians, like, how there's, there could be a thousand different guitarists in one room, but they all sound different. They all have their own tone, their own sound, their own lick, their own, you know, everything. And I think that that's beautiful when you add all that individuality into, like, an onstage performance. And it's like black girls just rocking the fuck out at Afropunk. Like, all of that all together is just, like, really cool. Um, and I think it makes an experience for everyone on stage and, and audibly. Oh, yeah. One thing I remember, because I remember seeing the live stream of this, it was you were backing up Diamond of Rap Group Crime Mob, right? Mm-hmm. Just curious. Um, so how did it come about? Like, did was Diamond like secretly in the rock or something like that, or? No. So she, um, I had I had always been connected with some people in the industry, and um, I had been hit up by someone from her management team. Um, shortly after, I would say like a year, maybe, yeah, almost a year after Bye Bye Love kind of died off, um, 
her manager DM me on Instagram. And at this point, this is when I had first started getting like the hang of Instagram and started getting like followers fast and like getting my branding out there. And like I was still figuring a lot of it out, but I had already made enough of a footprint where people like her manager label could find me if they needed someone in Atlanta. So yeah, they, they just hit me up, said they needed someone for a music video. And um, I saw it as a bigger opportunity to do some more stuff. And so I helped to uh, manage the band. Her team didn't know how to manage musicians, but they were cool people, though. Um, yeah, and then that's like the second dive of learning how to manage other musicians for somebody else and not for your own music. So at this point, I was really trying to figure out so then how do people have multiple musicians on different tours across 10 years? Like, how does Beyonce do it? So this was a good opportunity for me to figure all that out while I was building. Cool. All right, because I was curious because I know there's certain rappers that, you know, always had kind of a low-key punk influence, but they try to keep stuff hidden. I would say, like, um, I was thinking, speaking of Atlanta, or, or at least I know Georgia, at least, will be OG Mako, actually, right? So mm-hmm. I think he said it was in a hardcore band, you know, which is kind of weird because he said they never recorded anything because they never forced studio time. I'm like, uh, Iggy Pop literally recorded Natalie K. album basically with like a recorder in the middle of the stage just jammed the fuck out. So right. I'm kind of oh, confused well. by the reasoning there, but whatever, you know. Right. You know, I do like that one song he did. It feels like it's only 40 or 50 seconds. And I'm like, uh, you want to finish that shit, motherfucker? <laughs> that was oh, pretty well. fucking good. That was fun. pretty dope. But nonetheless so yeah. okay so what was it like being featuring in guitar world the first time because i know you, you were like a there was a quick blurb and a blurb on you i remember the issue too you know i'm like yeah. oh shit i know her awesome <laughs> that was like really cool because i actually didn't even know um i think i just happened to be going to pick up a magazine and i flipped through it and i was like oh shit um, so that was like, it was a really cool first experience. And I was, again, like I was very taken aback, but it was really cool. And it also gave me a lot of experience on, um, you know, like seeing myself from the other end, seeing myself in print through someone else's editing lens. And that honestly was really, that was one of the first opportunities for me to really branch into learning how to market myself and how to brand and how to interview myself. I mean, I had to interview with people because there's an art. There's definitely an art to to interviewing, especially like when you have. We we've been in some types of interviews where people have wanted to like stir the pot between us and other groups in the industry, or just you know other people, old band members, stuff like that. And so I think knowing how to respond to questions um, and how to dodge things and kind of bring it back on track is definitely a skill. And I learned a lot of that during that time. Smart move. Um, there is a total art to it, you know. Yeah, you know, like cause I remember years ago, someone trying to stir shit between Living Color and Twenty Seven Spies. I shit yeah. you not, and I was like, really? This is a, unnecessary. Right. Yeah, but I'm with you though, because there's I feel there's interviewer me and interviewee me, right? Right, right, exactly. You know, like this is pretty much interviewer me. Like you know, my voice is a little deeper and everything. At least I mm-hmm. think it is. And interviewing me depends on the various on the what's for call is almost like a totally different person. Just kind of right. having fun with it, you know, not trolling right. per se, but just like okay. But nonetheless, so so, but now, because okay, you were featuring Guitar World like a few years ago, right? And now you're working with them, right? Yeah. So that's also been a crazy part of the journey, like just sowing seeds 
out there and and having a comeback tenfold. I honestly never, I never saw this coming. I never, I didn't ask for it, but I, I guess I also kind of did in a very roundabout, obscured, at large type of way because I've always, like, the more experience I got in the industry from, like, the press side, like, seeing myself in different issues over the years of Guitar World and then the type of feature getting bigger and more information and, you know, them supporting me more on, online. All of that kind of stuff has been very helpful and it's been a really good experience to see from that angle. But then I also think that um, it's also been a really cool experience to be on the other side because I've always said that I want to be a part of helping control the narrative of what the world reads about black girls and about our community and about rock and roll. Because for so long, we've been trying to explain the story to white people and asking them to put it through their lens and their editing scope and send it out to the world to educate them. But what ends up coming out on the other end is something that's half lies and inaccurate perspective and context matters. So, um, yeah. So it's been really cool to see it all come full circle and be able to work with a, a good team. Um of people that one believe in me and believe in what I'm doing and trusted trusted the mission I think of the magazine enough to ask me to be a part of you know helping push that forward on behalf of sisters in the industry so yeah completely you know because I just get a kick out of it when you just pop up you know on guitar roll like in the Facebook page and everything I just love that you know? thank you <laughs> yeah and I'm like in the comment section saying like yeah my best bud made it to you know, made it to Guitar Roy, y'all can barely play Smoke on the Water. Who the fuck is winning oh, now? Well. <laughs> <laughs> you <Period>. know, <laughs> I remember one time I was having fun in the comment section. I was like, guys, 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 uh, Friday Night Smackdown's about coming on. Even WDB at its worst is still better at your best. Be right back, guys. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Okay, so, you know, so one other thing, too, is um, guitar. Okay, two questions related to gear. Um, First one is, what's it like being endorsed by PRS, though? Um, that's really cool. They're a really good team of amazing people. Um, and again, like they're the type of people that want to see me win and want to support what I'm doing while I'm meshing and, and um, intertwining what they have going on in their brand with mine. Um, so it's been it's been really nice. It's been a change for me because I was with um, another company for some years, and the relationship was a little bit different. There were some people. There were some people inside of that other guitar company that were, um, they were they were cool people. Whenever I would go to Nam, um, he would ask me to to interview and would do his best to share stuff online. But um, I think that outside of outside of that kind of stuff, for me, it's not about cool. You're going to share my posts on your page, which was always a challenging conversation. But I, I think that it also comes to what are you all doing at large? What are you all doing? To, to create spaces of inclusion and diversity for other guitar players out there that maybe don't know about your instrument but would be willing to buy it if they saw genuine guitar gabbies and other black girls that play guitar like on the front page of your marketing products. Because we've been at the back for so long and you know it's like you, you want to see you want to use the talent and use the you know, like my physical features or use the the talent of like creating photo shoots and all that stuff. And you want to use that to your advantage, but when it comes time to have conversations about how you can do better, then it's like crickets or the phone don't work or the email is broke or something. So, 
you know, it's been night and day, but it's, it's just been a really good experience so far, and I appreciate them. Completely, you know. And it's a smart thing to do right now because I'll put it this way. You know what? Over the last, damn, like 10 years, you know, like, there's nothing new under the sun, right? But mm -hmm. you know what? It's becoming more blatant and more apparent with shit going on, right? Mm -hmm. And I put it this way at this place in space right now, when I kind of feel like certain people will need to find like images that empower and look like them and connect with them and everything. Yeah. This helps, you know, right. And right. let me tell you, this world is going to get, you know, I'm paraphrasing, quoting a common quote, but I'm seeing it's the truth though. This mm -hmm. world's going to get blacker, browner and more queer over the fucking years. Okay. And listen, is do one of, do one of two things. You can be Ted Nugent or you can be Charles Barker. It's your fucking right. choice. Right. That being said, you know, I really feel like another thing too, if you have an image you can relate with or connect with, you know. Right. It doesn't hurt, you know, like right. so I'm glad to see that and I'm glad to see more people like you. Tosin Abasi. Hell, yeah. um what's that one dude's name? The one that works with Travis Barker. Um Kenny Hoopla. That guy. Oh, okay. You know? So yeah. hell, fuck it, trippy red. Even you know, I'm glad to see. I'm starting to see like this wave of the stuff coming together and everything. You know, and if it's relatable, and I'm glad to see that. So yeah. I feel people like you're at the vanguard. You know, yo, shot in the dark. You ever vanguard the cool lots? Yeah. Cool. Funny. Yeah, they're really cool. I like them. What obviously the name is perfect, but know, right? yeah. Funny story. The lead singer actually went to um, Banneker High School, where my aunt is actually principal at. Wow, for real? I shit you not. My actual blood aunt, my my mother's sister. Wow. That's crazy. I know, right? People, life always has an interesting way of rounding things out. Yep. Yeah, because I remember you mentioned you're in D.C., so I was like, just curious if you heard them or not. It's like, yeah, definitely. It's like more like you did though, actually, you know. But it's like, nah, cool, you know. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. so okay, so going back to gear and everything. So, what's your gear setup though? Um, it depends. Right now, I'm told. Well, it depends. For the most part, though, um, across live things, studio, and then just like everyday playing or social media type stuff, it I I operate between a couple of different guitars. One is my PRS. It's an SC. Uh, 408 that I just got a couple of months ago, um, which I'm about to do some modifications on it with my pickups and some other hardware. So I'm going to do a video on that, but I don't, so I don't want to share too much yet. But that guitar, and then I also play an ESP um, M50 FR, and then that's my neon green guitar that most people probably know me from, from or know with playing. And then I also play uh, an ESP uh, H1000 series. That's one of my newer ESPs. And I really like that guitar a lot. It has a beautiful Floyd Rose setup. It was a gift, a birthday gift from an ex um, a, uh, a little while ago. So those are the main guitars that I play when it comes to electric. When it comes to acoustic, I actually just got an acoustic, a, a PRS. Um, it's actually a discontinued SE model. Um, and it has, like, this beautiful green back on it and um it looks like tortoise shell um and it sounds really good um it's a custom um so yeah i really like that acoustic and then the last type of guitar i don't have but i've played one 
um, and I really like their guitars, are Michael Kelly Acoustic Electric Guitars. They have like a, a I think, 10 or 15 something year anniversary acoustic electric that they released a couple of, I want to say years ago, and my guitar tech has one. He let me play for a gig one time, and it was the perfect balance between an electric body with an acoustic sound or having the option of doing a pure acoustic sound. Um, so, yeah, those are my favorite guitars. And uh, when it comes to amps, I mostly play a Crate 50-watt tube amp. Um, I love tube amps. Um, I like the, the reverb and the, the natural wholeness that I think the tubes create um, and the tone as well. And then my travel amp is a Line 6 mini amp, which I really like. It has a really good clean setting and it also has killer distortion settings, which Line 6 definitely has like top-notch rock settings for me, rock sounds. Um, and yeah, and then I don't want to go into like my whole analog board, but I do have an analog board and I have a, I have two analog boards and I have a, um, a Boss ME50 multi effects. Yeah. Cool setup, actually. That kind of reminds me a little bit, too. Like, all right, I just got this Jackson guitar I needed to set up, actually, because it looks cool, but it sounds like a beehive on the six string. It sounds like a fucking beehive and everything, right? So I got to get this shit set up. Ooh. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, it's a <clears throat> I was like, oh, shit, crap. But that reminds me, starting to, but yeah, the green guitar is almost, is almost like your trademark, right? Yeah. All right. Definitely. So, what's your process of kind of songwriting, you know? Um,. It depends. There are times where I'll hear lyrics, um, and I'll I'll just write them down, and years later, or maybe the next day, or whenever, um, I might hear a guitar, and and put it to it. Or there have been times where I've taken old guitar riffs where the roles are reversed, and I just I hear a guitar riff in my head, and I'll record it on my phone, and then write lyrics to it later. And then sometimes I'll just go through my archive and be like, oh, this was a good little loop. And then I'll just try to figure out how to pair up um, lyrics or things that I've scribbled down and create a full song out of it. Um, so, yeah, that's, I would say that's kind of how that starts. But I also sometimes have to challenge myself to, like, come up with something or to write a song because I do believe in harnessing your gift. And I think that one way to do that is by you know, treating it like you're in boot camp almost. Like, if you're training to to be in the military, you gotta, you know, you gotta keep doing drills every day and exercise so you get to a certain level where you're able to turn it on and turn it off. And I think music is no different. I think the songwriting is no different. You gotta be able to know, all right, it's time to make the money. Let's turn on top notch and crank out, like, a Billboard Top 100. Or we can, you know, just keep it chill and just write something that'll give me a couple hundred, you know, so I can pay bills this month. But you got to be able to know how to control that and then deliver. So I try to still uh, challenge myself and grow in that area every day. Oh, totally. You know, I don't know, because gear-wise lately, because I don't I have kind of a block late. Not exactly a creative block, but there's almost like adherence to doing certain things, if that makes sense or not. You know, mm -hmm. it felt like it was something stopping me from basically programming a beat out or basically figure out like, no, 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 I need to find a real drummer. You know what, John? Just fuck it. Right. Just program the damn thing out. And it's almost like, yeah, I'm a bass. It's like, no, no, wait, you have a keyboard here. Just play the damn bass line of keyboard. And, right. You know, I kind of came up with something actually recently, you know, but nonetheless. So, 
Okay, one cool thing about you, actually amongst many things, is I love how you utilize social media, though. Thanks. You know, like, I remember the Don't Rush Challenge with a bunch of other black, you know, other black women rockers, and I thought that was fucking amazing. Like, cool. I couldn't Thank imagine. You. I couldn't imagine anything fun. like that, you know, when I was coming up. I'm like, oh, shit, sweet. Right. Right. I love it. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. And all the ladies who were a part of that were just, like, super down to earth people and I follow all of them. I've known them for some years and you know, I've, I'm a big advocate of, of supporting my sisters and brothers and just like each one pull one up. So whenever I have opportunities to collaborate with other sisters of mine in the industry, I fully take those opportunities and and run with it. Yeah, same here, you know, actually doing some some with a side project of mine, you know. You know, because sometimes you just need reason to basically collab with people, you know. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, who would you like? Who's like on your list to work with or collab with? You know, like somebody's like that'd be kind of cool, you know, to work with. Um, uh, that's a really good question. Dave Grohl is always going to be number one because that is my husband. I would love to collaborate with the Foo Fighters and or just Dave Grohl in any capacity at some point in my career. Um. I also really wish that I could have worked with Kurt and Prince and and Sisters at Thorpe and so many Tina Bell. I wish that I could have. I really that would have been fire. Like to be able to collaborate with like a '90s grunge queen like in the 2000s. Like oh, that would have been really cool. Um, yeah, but I Dave Grohl has always been at the top of my list. I really love Dave Grohl's writing style um, for guitar, and I also love his arrangement style and his lyrics and I also just love how he sings. I think I'm just in love with Jeff Roll, honestly. Yeah, I've I gotta tell you this cool Dave Grohl story. You ever, see, you ever see Foo Fighters live? Um yes, I saw them I've only seen them once though. I don't even remember where it was. It was years ago. Way, At like one of the big festivals or something. Way rawer live than I expected, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know? All right, so here's the deal. It was at 930 Club in 2014, right? And mm-hmm. so, you know, you've been around the D.C. area, so you know about Go-Go, right? Mm-hmm. So this is one guy by the name of Big Tony who, you know, who is a band of Trouble Funk, right? Anyway, mm-hmm. cool thing about Trouble Funk was, you know, a lot of punk rockers fuck with Trouble Funk. They loved, you know, Drop the Bomb, you know, stuff like that, right? Henry Rollins, mm-hmm. if you saw two white guys at a go-go there, it was probably Henry Rollins and Ian McKay hanging out. Those were probably two dudes, you know? Mm-hmm. That was mm-hmm. them. So, anyway, what happened was, um, for Big Tony's birthday bash, it was in 2014, they had, like, um, literally members of Scream. They had members of Scream, Bad Brains, and... Ooh. Yeah. Doing this, um, they came together and performed a bunch of covers of their songs under the name the donated you know mm-hmm. and i gotta tell you pete stall really pulled it off you know yeah and you know dr no and daryl jennifer they were playing like their fingers are on fire it was amazing and dave grohl basically played like it's something to prove yeah uh you know he played uh, as like i know i'm the rich rock star but i'm still the guy who's the screen yes and period. yes he did you know I might listen to Foo Fighters after this now. Oh, yeah. But, and also there's a time, too, because I got the video of it, though. Um, he actually ended up stepping, because he got off stage playing guitar, right? And he stepped on the bars playing these really cool blues licks. 
you know, for mm-hmm. him it was pretty decent. I would, you know, I really hope that concert has been archived, though. I'll put it that mm-hmm. way. Yeah. But nonetheless, um, you know what? I can actually see you and Dave Grohl working together. I really can see that happen because I've always noticed he has a tendency to reach out to younger talent, you know, especially people who are fans of his. So it makes sense. I mean, for example, Nandi Bushnell, for example, you know? Right, yeah. So, you know, uh, I can see that actually, you know, that's a strong possibility. Shit. You yeah. Know? He's always down for a collab. Like, I, I'm going to go after it. I've been going after him. I'm not going to stop till it happens. I'm going to collaborate with that man. Shit. I have to. I can see it, you know, completely. I, I mean, have to. Dave Grohl, if you ever hear this bitch, <laughs> write my number down. Shoot. All right. yeah, I love it. I I love. I just I love Dave Grohl. The cool thing with the Foo Fighters is this: if you realize they're technically like a punk rock supergroup that figured out how to mix pop punk and not be pop punk and right. anthemic rock music. Right. They figure out how to do it and you know make it fit. Mm-hmm. You know. All right. One more question before we head out, because I know you have something else to do after this, right? Yeah. All right. Let's last one before we wrap it up. So, when'd you get into teaching? Hmm? When'd you get into teaching? Oh, I. you know what's funny? I've actually always been into teaching. It was one of my first jobs, if you will. My mom and dad have always been advocates of me and my sisters working from a young age just because there's a lot of like skills to learn and, and the hustle and drive that I know they both knew that we had in us. Um, so, I was a volunteer at Zoo Atlanta, and then I started working at the National Zoo um, after that. And my job was basically to be an interpreter. So I had to basically educate people on different animals. And the job was, it was fun, but it was also, it was a challenge because it was my first time ever having to regurgitate a fuck ton of information in these thick-ass binders that they used to give us and say, memorize it. And it was my first time having to regurgitate and teach people in real life. And then a lot of times, like, especially how Zoo Atlanta used to be set up um, back in the day, there were so many school groups that were coming through, like, every 15 minutes it was a new school group. And I had to regurgitate, regurgitate, change the context of it. This kid seems to be more of a looker than he is a listener. How do I combine learning styles? Like, it was a lot that I had to figure out in real time. So it was a really good experience, and then all of that just kind of continued to evolve and translate as I started working in the nonprofit space and um, started doing a lot of development things and creating programs, education programs for kids, and then got, got into doing more of that um, for adults when I finished law school and started doing Tulip's um, business classes and stuff like that so it's just kind of evolved but I think that from genetics like my mom is an educator my grandmother is an educator so you know it just it's part of our family and um yeah actually my dad and his father were too and a little bit of a different capacity and a lot of capacity but I got I got both sides of it I got the, the life hard knocks life education components and then I also got the you know uh, institutionalized education components <laughs> sounds about right you know because my grandmother my dad's side was actually English was actually English teacher and also mm-hmm. my mom was actually you know studying to go in education as well and also well my aunt literally is a principal of the highest ranking school in the fucking country so <laughs> you know it yeah. kind of goes to the territory so I always felt like you know even band rehearsals right Mm-hmm. It's one of those things where I treat it like a class. Like I might, you know, 
you know, if you like this, but check this out too. And here's the history of that. Yada, 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 basically, you know, mm-hmm. I'm pretty much like a music history teacher pretty much at times. Nice. That's needed. Completely. You know, the kids do not know anything about no type of, uh, genres. No, they, they don't. It's almost like, that's a weird shit too. It's almost like, I'll put it this way. The way we were growing up, even if you didn't know about something like, I'm not saying no, what time Paul McCartney took a shit on Christmas morning. I'm not saying that, but it's oh, wow. really weird. It's almost like, it's like, they don't even have like a passing recognition of shit. Right. I'm trying to figure out what the fuck is up with that. You know, I don't know. I don't right. know. I'm trying to figure it out myself. You know, it's, it's like we got root to this. Right. Go figure. Well, I right. know you're gonna, we got to wrap this up early, but you know, a great chatting with you, you know, enjoy DC. Um, and take it easy. Bye, guys. All right. I'll look forward to hearing everything. All right, cool. All right. All right, bye. Bye. Hey, that was Gabby Logan. Great chatting with her. Until next time, take it easy and please use common sense.